In uh, October 1997, I woke up uh, primary seven and um, I couldn't get out of bed. And as some of you might know, I, I wasn't just a I can't get out of bed, I'm tired type of thing. Um, I woke up then and I uh, developed chronic fatigue syndrome or known as ME, something that I'm sure potentially everyone in this room might know someone affected by it. And I, I literally remember crawling myself down the stairs um, on my hands and knees to figure out what was going on. And over the next uh, two or three years, I struggled to work out what this condition was and work out what was going on in my body. The doctors couldn't quite figure it out. Um, there wasn't a wide treatment or acknowledgement of its existence. And so it's in those times where we begin to work out what does it mean to trust God with our bodies? Do our bodies matter to God? And as I grew beyond this, I grew with that sense that our bodies matter deeply, but equally I had this gnawing feeling that I could have done with a new one. And it would have been pretty handy to get a replacement in there to get through the first few years of high school. And tonight's topic brings this into play. Perhaps we've looked at our bodies as unspiritual or, or disconnected, um, but tonight we're gonna to explore what it's like for our physicality to meet up with our spirituality, our faith in Christ. This series that we're entering into, A Rule of Life, A New Way to Live, is about creating patterns and making choices that bring us into a more intentional way of living. It means we have something built into how our week is designed, how we're thinking, what we're saying, the choices that we make that help us connect to God and to each other. It's being more aware of our mind and our body and our soul. As uh, Henry Nouwen, was, as was quoted this morning, or Henri Nouwen, uh, says, our rule offers creative boundaries within which God's loving presence can be recognized and celebrated. It does not prescribe, but invite. It does not force, but guide. It does not threaten, but warn. It does not instill fear, but points to love. In this, it is a call to freedom, freedom to love. And this week, we're considering a piece of ourselves that is often left out of our spirituality, carved off to the side, our bodies. And I've been asked the question this week, why does this matter to God? Why do our bodies matter to God? Isn't he more interested in our minds, in our soul, in our spirit, in our choices? And what happens when, through our perspective, we carve off our bodies from thinking of them as God's own pieces? And what happens when God begins to connect us up again. One of the best places in scripture to investigate this and to, to see it is um, the church in Corinth. And the book of 1 Corinthians has a whole ream of um, mentions of the body. It talks about the church as a living body and it speaks about our individual body and the choices that we make with them. This, uh, this was important to them because they developed this completely divided way of thinking, really prevalent at the time. Um, this very separated, either or, good and bad, what we might call a dualistic view of the body. So they had the mind, which was the, the great place where all knowledge and wisdom took place, and the body was seen as something separated. This is uh, deeply classic of the time. They would follow um, philosophers like Plato and Descartes in carving up, separating, 
body, mind, body and soul, body and life, different, separate. They viewed the body as a, as a prison for the soul. One Greek proverb said, the body is a tomb. Um, Epictetus said, I am a poor soul shackled to a corpse. This is sort of the sentiments of uh, emo music from the noughties coming through here. I am a poor soul shackled to a corpse. They separated sex and food and pleasure from the soul and gave it over their bodies for anything. So this is no worries if you slept with anyone, no worries if your lifestyle was completely excessive. Didn't matter, it was cut off. Perhaps this is the letter written to Brits living at large abroad. Maybe this is the letter to us living behind closed doors. Maybe this is the letter written to uh, Glasgow at 1 a.m. on a Saturday night. This culture, anything goes, go for it hard, who cares what the morning brings? This is a letter written to those embroiled in drugs and alcohol misuse. This is a letter for those who binge on Netflix unhelpfully. This is for gym junkies. This is for everyone who ever asked if there's more to life when we had a kebab in our hands. <laughs> this letter is speaking right into these pieces of art. Perhaps you view your body in a different way. Maybe your view of your body is that it's ugly, or that it's broken, that it is sick, that it is not right. Perhaps you're ignorant of it because you've been told, hey, we get a new one in eternity, so it doesn't matter what happens with the one you've got right now. I had that for a long time. I thought that about the planet. I thought that about myself. Maybe you have struggles and sicknesses that have challenged your view of your body. And so our view of it profoundly matters. It's not about um, this idea where we're gonna get super healthy by the end of tonight and we're all gonna smash sub five, one kilometer run times. Um, this is about having a deeply connected sense of who we are in God. Maybe you've taken value from your body, how it looks, how it works. Maybe you, how other people's view your body has become more important to you. Already you can feel it and you can see that these aren't separate issues in our lives. These are integral to the way that we know God, the way that we understand ourselves, and the way that we treat others. And we've seen here this culture that tries to, to rip apart those two, to separate it. And it's into this type of culture that Paul is writing. And we're going to hear from that reading tonight that Paul writes to the church in Corinth relating to the body. Rachel's going to bring us that. from 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 to 20. It's on page 1148 of the Church Bible. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, 
God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. Amen. Thanks. So we have a culture where they have probably misinterpreted this idea. Everything is permissible. And Paul's clearing that up in the first part of this. Hey, everything's permissible. There's freedom, but not everything is beneficial. He's clearing something up with the, the Corinthian church. He's clearing it up to say that we matter. All of us matters. All of us is being redeemed and renewed in God. And they've taken us from food through to sex, um, that there's a, a communication needed of why the body matters. Paul's seeing the dualism there, he's seeing the separation of body, and he's recognizing that in that church, when people cut off their bodies and don't care about that, it cuts them off from God in a way. And when people cut off their body from their spirit, then there's a cost to the spirit man. Our body matters. And as we've opened up this up, this is a message around the body that leads to a transformation in our heart and then a change in our behavior. That's how this rule of life works. There's a change in our heart that leads to a change in behavior. It doesn't really work the other way around where we change what we do, what we do, what we do, and expect something in us to change. The issue with the church here was around their view of sex, which is really important because it's profoundly connected to the way in which we view others. The reason Paul, I think, is using sex as the example here and we'll highlight it, is it's because our bodies aren't just about our bodies. They're the means by which we affect other people's souls. When he speaks of your body as a temple, there's a beautiful part here um, that Paul is just drawn out. He's using this word naos, which means the sacred place, the sanctuary, even literally the place where deity dwells. This is the profound sacred space that is referred to as our bodies, carriers of the presence of God, the place where deity dwells. And so the whole of life now becomes sacred. It can become whole. It's no more our spiritual life and our working life, or our body and our soul, or our body and our spirit. God's connecting them up again tonight. We might have had that idea that our bodies soon won't be useful when we have wings and halos, but God is saying it matters now. Whoever we are, our bodies are a sacred shrine that carry the presence of God. You are a temple 
of God's Spirit. God doesn't long to dwell in stone temples made out of our hands. He longs to dwell in living temples made out of his. And so he creates us in love. This isn't about how healthy you are or how ill you feel. This is a, a privileged space. God says, I love you and I create a place to dwell. Paula Gooder, who wrote a, a wonderful book on this called Body, Biblical Spirituality for the Whole Person, writes, this is not a theology of opposites in which if one thing was good, the other was automatically bad. His was a theology of redemption, which sought to draw anything that was outside the glorious love and forgiveness of God into the remit of that love. Body and soul into the remit of that love. Our minds into the remit of his love. The spirit into the remit of that love. All of us is a temple to God. All of us come into the remit of his love. So just very briefly then, how can that affect us and then what is that going to look like in our lives? Because if it's about God and ourselves, if we recognise him reconnecting our, our body, our physical self, um, then what does that affect in our lives? If we realise that we are a temple of God, how does that affect God and ourselves? I think that affects what we eat. It affects what we smoke, what we inject, what we breathe, how much we sleep, what we think about, what comes out of our mouths, how we exercise, how we treat our bodies. To know that you're a creation of God, a hand-built temple crafted, affects what we're going to set up and put in the temple. When I was thinking back to, to having ME, I remember really clearly the moments where you stood on the line. And it was the place where you were going to push yourself over. And you knew that if you did it, it was going to exhaust you and set you back. And there was these times where it's like, I'm doing it anyway. I'm doing it my way. I want to go out. I'm ignoring rest. And our bodies pay for that stuff. And God sometimes wants to speak to us and encourage us to rest. And he uses our bodies to remind us of that. God in all of us. This is all of us. What about the way it affects others and the life that we share towards others and the way we view each other's bodies? When it comes to sex, as we saw in that passage, then what is it to respect another's body as a temple of God? What is it to respect the, the physical boundaries of other people, respecting them as creations of God? And in a wider sense, we're to treat others' bodies well. So what does it mean about the workplace environments were created. If in the places our clothes are being made, then people are under a, a substandard work condition and are experiencing abuse in their bodies, then that matters to us. It matters in the kingdom of God if people's bodies are in situations where they're getting broken down. It means the food supplied in our schools matters. It means that we don't stand for any kind of abuse because we recognize it's all connected that physical abuse is not just physical mental abuse is not just mental it's all connected here this is the whole person maybe when we hear people being persecuted for the faith it's not just their faith that's under trial when christians bodies are maimed or tormented that is a temple of god being attacked 
is right. So we must feel our bodies matter to God. How we treat them, what goes in them, how it affects others. When we recognise that our bodies matter to God, it affects the way we know God, know ourselves, and treat others around us. So how do we begin to craft a, a lifestyle around this? Tonight would be really easy to just stack up a whole range of things not to do, not to smoke, not to put in. Um, but actually, this is about creating a lifestyle, a, a healthy choice, a freeing, liberating space with God. And so uh, to help us do this, I'm going to invite uh, Dr. Andrew Murray to, to come up and, uh, and join me. And we're going to begin to unpack this. Um, Andrew's got some amazing work and uh, amazing stories um, from, from his life. And just as we get set up here, I'll, um, I'll introduce a wee bit of, of Andrew. Excuse me. Um, so Andrew is a doctor, um, a GP, a runner, and a sports and exercise medicine expert. Uh, written a couple of books, does a lot of speaking engagements, um, and has done a few fairly uh, significant challenges. Um, it says here that he did a 4,300 kilometer run from the north of Scotland to the Sahara Desert. I mean, that was basically the thing that Ewan McGregor did on a motorbike, eh? Um, and you kind of jogged it. It's pretty cool. Um, it says you've done uh, seven ultramarathons on the seven different continents in under a week. That, that includes Antarctica, hey? Most of it is flying, it's pretty straightforward. Right, okay. Uh, <laughs> right. Wow, yeah. Um, you ran across the Namibia desert, run, ac run across East Africa, um, placed first in the North Pole Marathon. I mean, I was, I was gutted, I came second. Just <laughs> uh, next year, yeah? Well, the organiser actually said, you know, I asked the organiser what would happen if a polar bear showed up, and he said, well, it's fine, they haven't entered, so there'd be no problem. So, um, I mean, some incredible physical performances, um, and in terms of some of your other work, you've worked with the Olympic, Paralympic, and Commonwealth Games, um, the Ryder Cup, presumably the times where we won, yeah? um, and with various different, different squads, um, you're working with the European uh, Tour of Golf, Sports Scotland, and uh, interestingly, the Scottish Rugby Union, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the, the question I had, and we know there's all confidentially, but like, is Hogg going to make it? Do you play rugby yourself, Mark? I play touch rugby. Okay. Well, I'm sure a coach would be keen to hear from you. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it is, it's an incredible range. And of course, these things sometimes sort of elevate a person in our view, but um, maybe more important, you're, you're a dad, two kids, live family life, you've been at PCGs for, for six years and have an amazing faith as part of that, but um, tell us a bit about, you know, what is it that, that your life, what is it in your life that you do, um, what does your week consist of? So I work as a sports medicine doctor, but also as a day-to-day -day general practitioner, and I think the points that you make are so powerful. Because actually spiritual health is incredibly important for physical health and mental mm. health as well. So taking time to rest and to recover and to really prioritise your faith, yeah. I think massively adds to physical health and how people do. Because it's not only about physical health, but mental health, mm -hmm. social health, but also that spiritual health that's so important. Yeah. And, and I'm really grateful to be a part of the community here uh, at P's and G's for six years. 
uh, we got married here. We had our first daughter christened here. Oh. And I don't know if anyone remembers. She made a fair bit of noise. <laughs> <laughs> and there's always that opportunity to engage and to catch up and to chat over tea or coffee mm. and cake and stuff as well. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, so, why did you get into what you do? You know, what was it that led you into uh, helping other people with their own bodies um, and having a passion for that? My mum and dad were medical missionaries in East Africa, so I suppose you appreciate actually how good the NHS is. People don't realise that actually life expectancy worldwide 200 years ago was 28. Wow. Happy God. Yeah. <laughs> we also have the long gone. <laughs> so actually, let's celebrate the amazing things that are going on in Scotland and the UK mm -hmm. in healthcare as we have it. But also recognise there's far more opportunities out there. But I think, you know, having just seen the difficulties that folk faced in East Africa and the health limitations kind of just made me think that medicine would be something I'd quite like to do. Right. I think, I mean, it's part of what's really important in my life. I think the four F's are important for me. The first is faith. I think that's obviously important to all of us in this church, mm -hmm. but also family, friends, and also fresh air. And that's really why I run. That's why I get outdoors and explore yeah. the North Pole, the Sahara Desert, places like that, because it gives you the opportunity to run, obviously, yeah. and run quite far. But when you're doing that, <laughs> it also gives you lot, lots of opportunity to think, and just think what an amazing place the world is. Mm -hmm. Look what God's created, even in Edinburgh. Mm. Think about the things that you can see, even by just going for a wee walk outside, as I did with my daughter this afternoon. It's absolutely amazing. So that's what draws me to it. Yeah. You know, I think faith, family, friendships, and some fresh air. Yeah. I think they're four things that keep me right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, tweet those later, folks. It's good. Um, so th those are quite close to you. You know, people can see the activities you do, the amazing stuff, and some of the work and why you do that. Um, for, for you, if people hear like, well, do you know what? I just, I don't care. My mind is my focus. I used to have a thing that I could be like, hey, if people exercise to get feeling good, I'll just think myself into that. I was, uh, you know, it was awesome. And, um, but what is it as a value for you that is important about um, taking care of our bodies and seeing that, you know, why does God, to you, um, think our bodies matter? I think each person is their own and there's different things that are important to each person. I think that you know, really respecting your body, having some time for Sunday, having some time for your family and for friends, I think that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And it also keeps people happy. And I think, you know, we talk about life expectancy, but if we can increase gross national happiness in Scotland, I think that would be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, regular exercise is one of the best things you can do for your health. It does add seven years to life. It can, on average, make you happier. And I guess that's why I do it, and that's why I want my kids to go up and to go for a walk or to do some gardening or to do all yeah. these other sort of amazing things that have been highlighted already through the microphone. Yeah. So it's just one thing I enjoy, but I think, you know, you talk about alcohol, you talk about smoking and all these other sort of things. And I think, you know, it's not easy uh, looking after your body. I do think that it can be helpful, it can be important, obviously, as a general practitioner. Mm -hmm. But I also think that really looking after things from a faith perspective is really what keeps you well as well. Yeah. Um, and a bit of restoration and recovery, allowing yourself some time to acknowledge that we're all busy in day-to-day -day lives. I mean, mm -hmm. it's really difficult to find someone that says that I'm quiet all the time. 
But really prioritising sort of rest time for yourself. Mm-hmm. As well as, I suppose, for the Scottish rugby team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good thing. That's great. Um, I was thinking earlier around uh, about how do we kind of get into our bodies or listen to that when, when we are trying to connect. I was saying earlier, I was thinking a time I had maybe six years ago when I lost a close friend, just tough season of life and uh, experienced a lot of anxiety and panic and grief in these moments and of course your body begins to respond and you recognise your, your shaking hands or twitching and, um, and that sense of sort of losing control at times which you know, we know many of us may have experienced. Um, how, I remember in those times trying to get to the point to listen to when my body said that, stop, rest, no more, you know, to, to be in that place. How, how would you encourage us very practically, you know, in the next seven days to be aware of when, when God's telling us to rest or to create a healthy pattern with our bodies? I think that's something, I certainly recognise that sense of panic, that sense that we're not in control, that sense that things are slipping away. Um, I've certainly been there and I think pretty much everyone that I know has been there at some point in time. So just recognising that's normal and that sometimes it is always darkest before dawn and that recovery will come mm-hmm. and it's just about thinking and knowing that you know your faith and your friends and other people will help and support you during that time mm-hmm. but also thinking that you know I must prioritize the things that will get me better mm-hmm. and I would encourage folk it's actually I think the sun was actually out so there must have been a mistake today <laughs> <laughs> but do go outside and you know just take a walk and appreciate what we have it's absolutely amazing yeah that, even that one thing we could all grab I loved it earlier, it felt so simple was to say this week, let's take a walk and recognise what's around us as you were saying you saw with your daughter earlier, but to experience that so that could be our one piece to bring us a rule of life take a walk this week and uh, see where it takes us and, and listen into that yeah. Andrew, thanks so much really appreciate it and uh, be around after from time to find out you know, how Stuart is uh, thank you. Feed the polar bears. <laughs> so just as we close this, um, the, the piece that we'd love to take away and really be thinking on as we begin to respond and just call the, the team back up um, as they help us to, to kind of lean into communion um, is to think how do our bodies matter to God? When we have that sense, how does that affect our relationship with God, our view of ourselves and how we treat others? I think these are the key things that come into play when we think about reconnecting our bodies as Paul was speaking to the Corinthians about. And from that place then, what does that look like in the next seven days for us um, to encourage? And that's what we're going to be praying about, working out tonight um, as we see this. So I'm going to hand over to the, the team and continue into communion.